Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Sam Pets Radio, Australia's coolest podcast network. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of All the Small Games, a podcast about indie games. My name is Andrew Levins, and with me as always is my good friend, John Valenzuela. Hello, Levins. Uh, we are going to be discussing uh, the, the what could be the game of the year. Who knows? There might be one Ooh. to pivot from the post, but we've both been playing. We've both finished. I don't know yes. the level of how finished John's at. Uh, Death's Door, we talked about it last week. We both loved it, uh, and we were kind of near the end, and... Uh, Look, I'll, I'll give everyone an update when we get to it. Um, speaking of Death's Door, I've finally gone in on Titan Souls, the uh, original game uh, made by the Death's Door um, developers, Acid, Acid Nerve. Nerve. Yep. Um, we've both been playing a game called Labyrinth City on the Switch. Um, and uh, I've dipped my toe into Chris Tales, and John has dipped his toe into Within the Blade. So a whole bunch of games to talk about uh, in this episode. But I want to kick it off with a little bit of news for you. Um, John, have you set any alarms to wake you up at a stupid time of the week this this week? No, I have not, but I know that the uh, the Annapurna Interactive Showcase is today, tomorrow. Oh, jeez, I forgot. I, I didn't even know about that one. Well, we can Shit, talk about that next right. week. <laughs> I got news as well. <laughs> um, that's cool. Um, I have uh, set an alarm. I will tell you exactly when the alarm is for, um, but it is for dumb o'clock, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah. On Friday the thirtieth, um, at what time have we got here? Uh, Three a.m. I'll be Ooh. I'll be set, an alarm will go off, and that alarm is going to let me know that it's time to pre-order the play date. Oh, there we go. Okay. So they gave um, a big update. They said they would give us a week of warning, and they gave us exactly that. If you want to own the very cute, very yellow uh, new indie game console um, play date. You, and remember, you're not just paying for the uh, the machine itself um, or the $20 cover that they're selling with it. Uh, you're also play- paying for 24 games that come uh, every two week. Every week, you get two new games uh, delivered to the system they down- download. Um, of course, this uh, the original. The first game I think that you're going to get with the system is um, one that was de- developed by the uh, developer of um, Katamari. Um, Ooh, I know nice. Bennett Foddy has done a game. Um, there's uh, all kinds of amazing, cool-looking game uh, things. The, the big kind of gimmick for the 
um, console, which is like a hand, little handheld thing if you haven't seen it before with a black and white screen. It has a crank on the side. So you've got the uh, a D-pad, a B and an A button, and then a crank on the side. And some, but not all games, utilize the crank in, in gameplay. Uh, it's going to be really, really fun. I think it's just such a, like, you know, for us, getting two cute little games that we can smash out in a couple of hours. Uh, assumedly, I don't know how long they're going to go for, but yeah. it's, it's basically just going to be like a fun, a fun little console full of ideas. I've, like, lately been... Uh, playing a lot of GBA games and just like completely remember my like my fondness for that console and this has GBA vibes I reckon excellent and it means for the next 24 weeks oh wait no 12 weeks two games a week you will have a uh, we'll have a regular Levin's Playdate corner section of the podcast are you planning on going in on Playdate how much is it uh, I think it works out to be I think it was $179 US okay so that's about 250 to 300 Australian. Yeah. And then um, uh, shipping was nowhere near as bad as I was expecting to Australia. It was less than 20 bucks. American. Okay. So uh, I was, I was, yeah, pretty happy. All right. Um, I might look into it or am I, or, or do I save for a steam deck? I mean, steam deck, we know this is coming out. If, if, if you order, like essentially they're not, they're never going to let themselves sell out of this. You get in different pre-order windows. You can just okay. keep pre-ordering. And then as soon as they make enough available, they'll ship it to you. Um, but if you, if I, I'm, I'm setting my alarm, so I hopefully get in uh, as early as possible and I get mine by the end of the year. Steam deck, we have no idea when that's coming out. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Um, yeah. Look, I think, Payday rolls around. I might get fast and loose and set myself up a playdate. But yeah, it looks like you can probably get a playdate shipped to Australia for less than 300 bucks with the cover. Come on, John. You want that Dang. cover. Yeah. Oh, but what about that stereo dock? Um, that, no announcement on that yet. I'm a bit upset about it because that's what Ooh. I was really looking forward to. You can get this cute little dock that kind of turns your playdate into an alarm clock and a pen holder. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, you can uh, units are limited to two per person. So, John, if you do change your mind, you have someone who is going to be awake and could potentially order two. Let me sure. know. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, we'll do. Um, um, so just two fifty five in the morning. I'm like Levens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that so that play date. That's the reason that I'll be uh, a terrible father for some of the of, of, of Friday this week. Oh no, Friday's my day off parenting. That's good. 179 <laughs> US is play date. Uh, nice. But I, I'm definitely going to try my hardest to get one in that first wave. No one else order one, so I definitely get it. Have a better chance of getting one. Yeah, um, the, and to to go back to the other event happening this week. Uh, so 5 a.m. Friday for us will be the Annapurna Showcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, it said 8 p.m. on the UK time on the 29th, which translates to 5 a.m. on the 30th for us. Right, so, uh, I'm, so I'm yeah, near two I'm, hours after I've uh, already woken myself up to pre-order a play date. Hopefully, it doesn't take that long. But if yeah. it does, I can just just you know ease myself back into sleep by watching the Annapurna Interactive Showcase. Oh man, that that implies it'll be boring. I reckon it's no, gonna be sick. I find that their game's very peaceful, is what I'm saying. True. Um, for some reason, this year it's all like insane shooters that they're like, yeah. oh, I can't get back to sleep. Um, but no, I'll definitely be like, I won't be getting up for it or. No, I, I need all the sleep I can get at the moment. I'm waking yep. up about an hour later, but like my first hour of work will be watching the Annapurna Showcase, I reckon. 
Yeah, and uh, and hitting hitting the Discord and chatting about it with uh, various members of the ATSG Discord community. Hey, which you, everyone listening is welcome to join. The easiest way to do that is to support us on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash all the small games. And if you do that, not only will you get access to our Discord, you also get um, the ability to download a very, very recently recorded bonus episode that we put on our Patreon. The first episode of all the other things in which John and I discuss all the things that are not small games. Uh, and this month we spoke about the TV series, uh, I Think You Should Leave, uh, season two, um, the MCU TV series, uh, Loki, and the Netflix animated movie um america the motion picture um we also discussed in great detail our favorite sketch comedy shows of all time and i'm going to put a preview for that episode at the end of this one if you want to hear the full thing patreon.com slash all the small games of course that will also get you access to our discord community but i understand it is a tough time for everybody right now and if you'd just like to join our community all you need to do is send us an email all the small games at gmail.com and i'll add you to our discord um john We've got lots of great things to talk about, but it's, you know, in the world of indie games, these games, they're not always 100% our favorite games of the year. And uh, I think we might get the, the slightly negative reviews out of the way for yeah, this week. Yeah, let's do it. Let's band-aid uh, I- it. Let's rip it. Um, look, the first game I'm, I'm going to talk about is a game that uh, I can say without hesitation was absolutely not for me. So this is less a bad game than it is a just completely 100% not 11s game. And that game is called Chris Tales. Um, it's a uh, an, an RPG um, that came out on all systems. So PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and uh, pretty much everything. It's out everywhere. And um, it, it was on Game Pass, so I gave it a shot. Uh, it was developed by Dreams Uncorporated. Um, S-Y-C-K and Poppy Works and published by Modus Games, Maximum Games and Miranad. Um, Chris Tales is a very kind of classic JRPG feeling setup. You, 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 you begin the game uh, mid-battle as a, like a farm burns around you and you get taught the very basic mechanics of um, how this uh, turn-based RPG works. You attack um, and, and you take out these fairly low-level enemies. Um, You play a girl in a big, beautiful gown um, whose name is Chris, uh, and then you team up with another person who's who's a boy, but his name is Chris too, Um, and he's not wearing a beautiful gown, unfortunately. Um, But you take down a bunch of low-level enemies, and then a boss shows up, and the boss is wielding a big uh, shield, and you can't get through to the shield. And so... Um, your little companion, who is a frog wearing a hat, says, Chris, now's the time to use the time crystals. And then you flash back to an hour of gameplay before the battle. And you basically learn that you are a, uh, you're a girl living in an orphanage and um, there's a mistress who like you have to report to. Um, and you, you your job is to pick roses and then one of your roses is missing so you have to like chase the a frog through town and you, you follow these like scattered rose petals around the town basically it's a way to show you show off the entire hub world map and you're sure. like introducing yourself to all the people in the town the graphics this, are this frog sounds like it's trying to hit on you it's leaving a trail <laughs> of rose petals yeah yeah it speaks in a, it sounds like Pepe Le Pew um yeah. Freddie Le Frog um but yeah so you uh you, you you meet everybody in the town, um, and uh, long story short, uh, you get this these time powers, and the time powers are represented like as you walk through the world, a triangle covers the screen, um, and e- everything within the triangle is what you are seeing currently, but everything on the left of the triangle is the past, and on the right of the triangle is the future. So you okay. walk past buildings, and they'll be like 
like dilapidated and, and, and falling apart. And you're like, oh no, what can I do to prevent this from happening? Um, so there's puzzles to solve in the overworld. Um, and the overworld is really lovely. It reminds me a lot of Paper Mario, the way you make your way around. Like you're moving through a 3D space, but everything is 2D. Um, the illustrations and especially the color palette are really beautiful. There's a lot to love about the design of this game. But this is a turn-based RPG. And I thought having a time mechanic um, would make it a pretty different to other turn-based RPGs that I've played in the past. That's not my favorite type of game. Um, it really needs to have a hook um, like Paper Mario games do where like I, I feel like I'm doing more than just hitting attack. And this does have like light kind of time-based attacks. You have to hit A, A, A or whatever and the, the attacks hit harder if you do it right timing, but it's a little bit loosey-goosey uh, if you get my drift. Um, and it can be a bit frustrating when you don't hit the um, hit the attack or defend button at the right right moment because the the tells aren't as like easy to understand, I guess, like sure. through the through the language or sound. Whereas in other games like um, like the South Park RPGs or um, to talk about an indie game, co- the Costume Quest games, they were awesome. Of course, yeah, yeah, were, yeah. Th- that's probably like one of my favorite versions of like turn based combat with like an action element to them. Um, but yeah, so you basically you, you, you're after an hour of dicking around the, the, the main world and learning who you are and, and everything about the world, um, you're back in that battle and then you face this uh, the enemy with the shield and I, it's like use the time stuff and you use the time stuff, you go back in time you you one of the power one of the the guy that you team up with has like a, a water based power and so you wet the shield in the past and then use the time crystals to go back and the shield has rusted so you can attack them but you're only taking off like very small amounts of da- like damage as you attack them each time so it wasn't that super satisfying like yes i figured out the puzzle with my time based mechanics i'm still just like chipping away at at the enemies for like 10, 10 turns. Damn, um, okay. And then you finally do beat... And so the entire time I'm like, oh, have I actually... Is there more I need to do with the time crystals to like... Because like at no point are they like, yes, we did it. Now we can damage them. Or like, you don't feel like you've done all you can do with the time-based mechanics. Anyway, so sure. you finally take take the enemy out and it's that super unsatisfying thing where it's like, oh, I've had enough. Let's get out of here. Uh... And so you don't even you don't even take the enemy out. Um, and then I, I, I was like, I don't know if this game is for me. And I read some reviews and, uh, the, the number one thing for me to, to take from this is that the game is like 40 plus hours long. Um, Far out. and secondary from that, that the time mechanics are not used at all. Like there's, there's like two variations of how they are used in battles and it's just that repeated for a long, long time. Um, Eesh. it's the thing with JRPGs, they live and die by their like style and story, I guess. Um, and I going into these games wanting gameplay to be the thing they focus on. I'm very, very like rarely satisfied by them. But yeah, this was uh, no exception. And 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 look, uh, maybe this is a game for some of the JRPG heads. This is not made by a, Jap- a Japanese studio, by the way. I think they're South American. But yeah, look, a lot of great style. It looks like a really like you know the, the designs of all the characters is really cool, and I love the kind of two D in a three D space. Um, look to everything but um yeah i will not be playing any more of chris tale sadly dang radio um well my uh my somewhat less than optimal gaming experience this week was with a game called within the blade now this was a game that was released 
Four years ago on Switch, oh, not on Switch, on Steam, so mm-hmm. initial release date was 2017, it's just come to Switch. I saw a trailer and it's a... Uh, it's an action an action platformer where you it's play a as ninja a ninja game. Ninja game. And obviously, you know, big fan of uh, The Messenger when it first came out. And I was like, cool. Platforming, ninjas, count me in. Uh, it's developed by a team called Amethyst Studio, A-M-E-T-I-S-T. It's currently available on everything. So I, I bought it on Switch. I was looking, you know, I had uh, Labyrinth City which we'll be talking about in a minute. And that was on sale and this was on sale as well. And I was like, sweet, snapping stuff up on sale. It's what I love to do. Jumped in, uh, started playing. First thing I did was take on the tutorial because I was like, all right, let's learn how to play this game, shall we? And the tutorial just fire hoses stuff at you. Like... The initial stuff, the movement stuff, where it's like, you can crouch, you can wall run, you can double jump, etc., etc. Um, that stuff, I was like, okay, cool, this is easy, etc. Then it got into the assassinations part of it. And at that point, I was just like, I press what button to do what thing? What do you need me to do? What's happening now? Like, by the time I exited the tutorial, I was like, I know how to do maybe 40% of the things this game wants me to do. <laughs> right. I'm just going to jump in anyway. Let's see how we go. And look, the tutorial, to be fair, it does like... So it runs you through assassinations. It runs you through like using dash attacks and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the the hook shot that you can use to kind of like grapple onto branches, etc., etc. When you start the game, you have none of this stuff. In fact, you don't even have a sword when you start. You need to, like, go and pick up a sword. The overarching story is, like, your classic sort of fodder of, like, you know, it is a time of unrest in Japan, and one shogun has, like, aligned with the dark arts and, like, used demonic powers to take over all of Japan, and you have to fight back against him. Like, okay, cool, standard ninja game boilerplate stuff. So I start playing... And first of all, this is meant to be a stealth game. Like you're meant to, as a ninja, you're meant to kind of sneak up on enemies, take them out without any warning, etc. You know, that kind of deal. The first thing I noticed, like if, if you're going to do a stealth game, mechanically you need to have enemies that follow predictable movements. So you can stop and you can study what your enemy is doing and you can look for a kind of moment of weakness when you can strike, essentially. As far as I could tell, all the enemies in this game like move pretty erratically and not through a set path. So it's really difficult to go like, and I'll do my stealth kill now. Like half the time it was just, I'd try and get spotted and geez, these guys are good at spotting you. And then it turned from a stealth game into just, an, uh, you know, your classic kind of beat em up combat style. Um, and even like, I obviously would start hammering the attack button. And if you press it three times, you do a three-move combo. The three-move combo is uninterruptible. So if my three-move... If the enemy has moved out of the way before my three-move combo has finished, I get attacked. I can't stop it from happening. I must have, like, gone back and started levels a number of times just because of stuff like this. Right, sure. So, look, part of it is definitely, like, I am maybe not playing the game the way the game wants to be played. But at the same time, 
I'm having difficulty understanding like, okay, well, if you want me to play like this, why are you not making it not necessarily easy, but why are you not conforming to the rules that would govern how a game like this should be played sort of thing, if you get what I mean. Yeah, sure. Um, I will say like there were, there are definitely moments where uh, things like this did come together. So, you know, if an enemy was standing on the edge of a ledge and I jumped up and attacked, it would like... I would essentially cut the enemy in half and I get this cool little death animation of like a pair of legs without an upper torso standing there for a second, spurting blood and then falling over. So there's definitely like some cool shit in there, like really, really visceral kind of kills and stuff like that. Um, yeah, the, the, the pixelated gore looks awesome. Yeah, the, and the, 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 I, I really like the art style. It's a really like nostalgic 8-bit style kind of art. Um, similar to what you get at the beginning of um, uh, The Messenger, essentially. Yep. But I just, like... On top of this, it has... There's, there is a massive, and I mean massive, skill tree to this game. I just saw that. And I, when like, I, all these things that you keep saying is bad things. I'm like, man, maybe I would love this. <laughs> give, it, give it a try if you want. Maybe, like, I would be interested to have a second opinion on it. I, I got... Like, I made it through the first three levels and finished the first boss, essentially, and then went back to the village and realized, like, oh, cool, I've earned skill points. I'll use my skill points to unlock some skills. And, like, first skill I unlocked was assassinations. And I was like, so I didn't have this skill and I kept trying to do assassinations throughout the first few levels of this game. What the hell? Um... There's also a crafting element to it. Like, as you make your way through the world, you can pick up various objects. Uh, you know, like, if you if you slice it at long grass, you'll often get, like, a feather or some kind of beetle or, like, this sort of plant or something or other that you can then go back to the village and buy recipes and use them to craft, like, smoke bombs and health potions and all that kind of stuff. The issue was the, like... I feel like as I move my as I move the joystick around the inventory screen, it feels like the squares containing my inventory should be lighting up, but they're not. Which I guess is a bug because it meant like I could never see exactly what I was trying to select. Right. Like that's that's got to be. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt in saying it's a bug because there's no way it could be a purposeful bit of game design that thing. Hmm. But it's this like. It's it's this again it's a deep mechanic that might be a bit too deep essentially like it would nice to, be nice to see kind of a bit more of a simplified version of it right um yeah. especially especially when you're grappling with all this other stuff like the actual gameplay itself is fairly deep and the skill tree is really deep like it seems like a yeah. really ambitious game maybe they bit off a bit more than they could chew i'm it, i'm it's a, I'm very, very curious about this now. Now I'm like, oh, I think I should have played this too. <laughs> I mean, look, it's out on everything. It's out on Xbox. Maybe see if it's coming to Game Pass to give it a try. Um, otherwise, cop it on Switch on sale or something. Like, I definitely would love to hear your opinion um, as maybe someone who's a bit more of a dab hand at these kind of games than I am. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you. I think they, they they went really ambitious with this game in terms of the amount of systems and mechanics they tried to cram in it. And I almost feel like I would have 
like if if they just slimmed down the mechanics a little bit and focused a bit more on polishing them, it would feel a lot better to me. Yeah, cool. But like um, I said, in the moments where it does work, in those moments where I was getting six stealth kills, whoo, visceral pleasure. Yeah, so the, the, the thing that stops me from wanting to love it, if I'm going to get into it, is, is a stealth element because I'm terrible at stealth games. But if, yeah. if, if you're saying that like you, at the start it doesn't really matter, you just have to just chop everyone as quickly as you can, then hell yeah, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game that you'll enjoy less the more you play, if that's the yeah, case. I love those. Uh, it was yeah. published by uh, Rattalaker Games, um, yeah. who occasionally get brought up on the on the show. They um, published the ports of um, Hypnospace Outlaw and the Count Lucanor, two games that we've spoken about. Ah, uh, of course, last year. yes. But love, uh, I didn't love the two of them. Realize uh, they have put out. Do you want to guess how many games they've published? And these are all available on the Switch. I think over twenty, over one hundred and fifty. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> and and uh, uh, it's so funny if you go on their page right now. Like, hey, maybe it's a great game, but the, the the two most recent releases are Within the Blade and something called Freddy Spaghetti Two. <laughs> oh, um, mamma yeah, like, mia! I got a sequel. So many of their games are the kind of games that whenever you go to like the the offers section of the um, Nintendo Switch, like oh, here they are again, um, like yeah, Jack and Jill DX and stuff like that. I'm sure you've seen that before. Um, I mean, I'm curious. I mean, there must be some gems in there in their collection. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm having to scroll through now and seeing if there's anything that really pops out at me. So yeah, um, um, that's our that's our reviews of a very you know early, early looks at uh, our, our experiences so far with um, within the blade and Chris Tales, two games that may not be for both of us, but hey, maybe for the other one of us. Actually, no, I can say pretty safely that you wouldn't like Chris Tales either, John. No, but the way you described it, I'm not into it. <laughs> But again, if if the kind of game we described uh, does sound like something you'd be into, definitely give them a shot. Uh, we got some games that we loved. I assume you loved this oh, next game. Sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm browsing Rattalaika. They did the uh, the ports, the PS4 port, Switch port, and Xbox port for Hypnospace Outlaw. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I, I just said so, that. yeah. Oh, sorry. I I'm I, I tuned out because I'm scrolling through. You were like, games. I loved that game when I said it as well. <laughs> I'm operating on autopilot here. Sorry, I will tune back in again. Yeah, perfect. That's great. Um, Hey, before we talk about all the games we loved, uh, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, thanks, sponsors. Brilliant ads, as usual, um, but uh, not as brilliant as the games that we've been playing in the last week. Um, and John and I both uh, independently of each other picked up a game called Labyrinth City, Pierre the Maze Detective. Um, and I got this because I saw I remember, I remember screenshots of it showing up um, or maybe like a very brief look in a Nintendo Direct earlier this year. It was like, you know, oh, here are some other games coming to Switch this yeah. year. Yeah, that's um, where I saw it as well. And it essentially just looks like an enormous uh, Where's Wally? Um, and Labyrinth City is actually the name of a series of books. Yes. Um, and Japanese ba- Japanese uh, by Hiro Kamigaki and IC4 Design. So Yeah, and um, so... He he does he does all the illustrations, but I think it's published in in Europe. I, I'm not sure. I, okay, I, I, I could have that wrong. But uh, yeah, it was the game was developed by Daje Ling and uh, published by Pixmane. And essentially, this game is um, a game where you play a young detective, um, and your 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 nemesis has stolen a cube that turns everything into a maze. And so you have to uh, find your way through these enormous levels. Um, and when I say enormous, it's not like you know. There's like all these different areas or something like that. You can essentially, and I would say what's one of the biggest downers of this game is that it never shows you the entire level in one screen. But I was thinking that, but then I was like, if you, it might be nice at the end of each level, once you've done all your exploring and you finish that it pulls back and shows it to you. Yeah. But I just feel like the game is based on, on navigating a maze. And if you're able to pull back, you'd be able to just simply go like, oh, I go there, 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 and I'm done. Yeah, so basically you're, you're navigating these mazes. I believe there are 10 in the, um, in, in the, in the whole game. Um, and the mazes aren't just like, you know, a bunch of lines that you have to work your way through with your finger, like a you know book of mazes. Uh, the mazes are basically like, you know, big clumps of people and cars. And at one point you're working your way through traffic and another one you're making your way through museums and there's things blocking you. One of the early highlights is... Um, a, a big kind of scape of, of buildings with um with ladders and you have so you have to make your way up and down these ladders and there's other people on ladders who are blocking you from going down or like maybe there'll be cactuses cacti uh, at the beta bottom of a ladder so you can't go down that way and so you basically got to through trial and error make your way through these mazes and just like a where's Wally or where's Waldo depending on where you are in the world it is Wally though like that's you know the, the original author wrote him as Wally he became Waldo for you non-metric system using fucks um, do you but, but I'm, I was curious about that. Why? I don't know. Like Waldo was a knew. much weirder name than Wally. Yeah, hundred so. <laughs> percent. Um, but just like the Where's Wally books, you have to uh, find a bunch of shit in in each level. Um, so you've got to find three stars, which will kind of like be like almost like statues that you find within the level. And then some more difficult ones, uh, you have to find these four green treasure chests. And then just from like interacting with various things that you come across, like maybe it's a bush, maybe it's a, a window. Um, and when you go up to it, you'll be able to open it or, or shake it every now and then something will pop out. And it's like a, a piece a of page. artwork, a page. Yeah. A page, a page from, a page from- uh, your nemesis, Doctor X, is that his name? Mister X. Mister X. He has not yet earned his doctorate in, in <laughs> evil maze making. And each page uh, is like a clue as to where different things that you might be missing from the level is hidden. There's also a a polar bear in every level, and the polar bear needs you to solve a pretty easy problem in each of the levels yes. as well. Yeah, um, so it's almost like a little mini game. There's one that's like memory, which is where six windows open, and you need to find three pairs 
by selecting the right windows. There's one where you have to grab a kite and use it to pop bubbles as they float up. Yep. Um, just simple little things like that, but a, a, a nice diversionary moment from the sort of main thrust of the gameplay. Yeah, and so look, this like I, it is a fairly simple game, but the the joy of this it is like absolutely gorgeous. It is one of the best games, best looking games I've played, and not in the kind of way that we, you know, think about when we think about like a good looking game. Like it's not like this has like astounding three D graphics. You know, for the most part, the images are static with a few things within it moving back and forth like a GIF, but. The artwork itself is just so well recreated from the book. I've never read one of these books before, but um, man, it looks so good. Are you playing this docked or undocked? Undocked, um, you know, on the move. Uh, I, I've i been having a lot of fun with it as well. Um, definitely trying, like, going out of my way as much as possible to finish everything in each mm-hmm. level, like making sure that I'm ticking things off. One thing, like my my one uh, bit of criticism, I guess, is these books. These this game does, same as you, remind me very, very much of Where's Wally. And one of the most fun things about Where's Wally, in my opinion, finding Wally was almost the least fun thing. At in every Wally book, at the end, they would have a list of other things to find in the levels. Yes. And I almost wish, like, as as fun as it is to tick off your chests and your pages and your stars, I almost wish they had a list of, like, five to ten things of, like, find a dog with a cat balanced on its head and find... Because the world's, like... The world that they've created for each of these mazes is this really vibrant and dynamic world. I mean, you're right in saying that it's just... It feels like a gift kind of thing. But... You know, the museum one, I think, as well, in particular, really brings this to life because, like, all the statues in the museum have come to life. There's so much crazy shit happening all over the place. Uh, And it just would have been great to think, like, oh, I'm passing by a statue of Neptune where he speared a fish. That's one of the things I have to find kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Um that would have that would have definitely like been more entertaining than just trying to work out like how do I go down that path I see to find a chest sort of thing. Um, maybe maybe you'll yeah, get that as a post game treat. Hopefully that'd be fantastic. Um, how far along are you? I'm like on the fifth map. Which one's that? Um, the ma- the one... I'm up to the magic forest. No, does that I'm, ring think... any bells? No, not we're not there yet. So it's like a big kind of town that you're like wandering up and down stairs and... Oh, maybe that's... Yeah, I think that's where Archie's up to. Yeah, so, so here's the thing. I, I I played the first level with Archie and then um, I was like, hey, this is like the... Old, like this is all... It's, if you are someone like me who is homeschooling their kid at the moment and needs a game that they don't need to feel guilty about but will occupy the kid's time and they will love it, this is such a perfect game for that. And that was That was my big question playing it. I was like... What's Archie Levin's going to think of this? I Archie reckon he'll be a big fan. Loves it so much. And he's so Amazing. disappointed when he gets to the end of the maze and there's like, he, he, you know, he's missed one page or one of the stars or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's it's really fun. And it, like, you know, you could play this as like, you know, just burn through the, the mazes and then go back to, to complete it, you know, to get a little bit of extra mileage out of it. But man, 
I think like the, the the main reason to see this, and I'm playing, I'm playing. I've got a pretty good TV. I got a beautiful OLED, so this looks very good on the on the screen. Like one of the best looking Switch Switch games, I reckon, just because okay. of the quality of those illustrations and how well uh, uh, reproduced they've been. But it does chug a little bit. There's a lot, there's a few parts where there's a lots of moving things on screen. Like like when I say like the, the maps are enormous and there's just so many people and there. Some of them are. Some of them don't move, but when lots of them do, occasionally the frame rate will dip quite a lot. And especially in, in, in Pierre's movement, as he moves around, it'll be like, you know, chugged to quite low frame rate, which is a bit of a bummer. But other than that, beautiful, beautiful game to look at and play. Um, it's also, there is a, like, the story that is told in between, uh, in between mazes is done in a really kind of fun comic book way. Mm-hmm. That would also, uh, I think, appeal to to younger players out there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, it's, it's bizarre that, that we don't have like a series of Where's Wally games. I feel like there was one on the SNES. On the SNES. Um, sure, I vaguely remember that. <laughs> but you know, there, there have been lots of different games where you have to find stuff. I remember there's a game called like Little Folks or something like that. That I, I had some fun with that on, on my own. Yeah, um, there's another Through phone. Time. I think is another one that came out right in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, how we go? And um, it was only only released in 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 Japan, I think. Oh no, the Great Waldo Search was the uh, SNES game. I wonder what right. that's like to play now. Nineteen ninety two, that came out. All um, I'm saying is, add Waldo to Smash. <laughs> you just have to find him, and then he's already uh, in Smash. Just no one's yes. found him yet. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, so yeah, this is published by Pixmane. I think they might be Ch- a Chinese publisher. I might be getting all my facts wrong because I already realized that. Yeah. Um, the Pierre, the maze detective, entirely Japanese, um, not 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 made in Europe or anything like that. Um, I think it's it's just it's set in Europe essentially. Yep. Who are Darjeeling? Uh, I've never heard of Darjeeling before. Darjeeling. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. They have a they have a studio name that is not conducive to uh, SEO. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I'm having I'm having a great time playing this though. How much yeah. was it again? Oh, I mean, I bought it on sale. I think it was like eighteen bucks or something. Right, but still, like it's it's. I think at most it would be twenty five. Like it's not going to break the bank. And like you said, if you if you have a kid and uh, you're in lockdown, or even if you're not in lockdown and you just have a kid that really likes playing video games, I think this is something that they will enjoy for ages, um, or at least for ten mazes. And uh, if you're the kind of parent that loves really beautifully rendered games you will enjoy it right alongside them. Um, so I found the uh, Dejeling Productions website. It's okay. dejelingprod.com and I urge everyone to go check it out because they have been, they are a production company that have worked on animated series. Um, they've got a couple of video games, but all their works look fantastic. Um, shows for like preschool age kids and older kids. The previous game was called Homo Machina. Okay, I, I think yeah. I I think I had that on. Um, uh, what should we call it? Yeah, I have that on uh, iOS. And um, another game called um, Californium. Yeah, did I? I think I had Californium. Um, so there must be iOS games, eh? Possibly. I don't know if it was an i. Maybe I'm getting it mixed up with something else. Um, Californium. Unfortunately, their website has stopped working. But oh, here we go. It's very slow. But yeah, it looks it looks cool. All these games look pretty sick. It it, it chugs just like Pierre. <laughs> Homer Machina looks incredible. Wow. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I mean, look, yeah. 
And I'm starting to think okay. they're not Chinese as well. So I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> no, definitely. I think I'm, my, my research is a bit bung this week. Sorry yeah. to the world. Um, but yeah, Darjeeling Productions have made a really, really great adaptation of, of a, I guess, beloved uh, kids book series. I would recommend this for sure, especially if you have kids. Also, if you just need a nice break from from uh, the world right now or for a, a more difficult game, this is such a soothing, beautiful, relaxing time to play. Um, couldn't recommend it more, man. French. Darjeeling is French. There we go. French. Yeah. Capital um, China. Yeah. Screw, screw adult coloring books. Get, get uh, Labyrinth Detective instead. Absolutely. Or Labyrinth, Labyrinth City. Uh, and Pixmane, who published it, um, they are best known for publishing the game at My Time at Porsche. Okay. Yeah. Huh, there you go. Um, so that is uh, Labyrinth City, um, a game that we both really enjoyed. And um, but, speaking of post-game... Now, now let's, let's talk about a game that we really enjoyed. Uh, because, goddamn, we both finished... Um, Death's Door. Death's Door. And uh, shit. <laughs> shit, dude. <laughs> what a um, goddamn game. Absolutely fucking incredible. Just like, yeah. I mean, I feel like I haven't had this with a game since Ori last year. Yeah, Which incidentally was my, was my game of the year. But there's that inability to put it down. And all, whenever I'm not playing it, I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about things that I could go and do, things I could experiment with to get further, ways I could beat a, a really tough enemy. Um, it didn't leave my headspace for a long time. Um, the, the, the music, all, all of the soundtrack is just such earworms. Um, I, I, said it, I said it last week, I'll say it again. I cannot wait for this soundtrack to come out on vinyl because I will buy the shit out of it. There you go. And then also play it on streaming services as well. Well, I've already bought it on Bandcamp. It's ten bucks. Oh hell yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, um. So you okay? So we've both finished it. Um, yes. Fantastic. Like, I we how spoilery do we want to get here? Um, I think we should do a spoiler episode. Um, when more people have played it, maybe it's a, maybe a sealed section, uh, for for a future episode. But that's fair. How? What, what's your percentage of completion, John? I, I do not know. I haven't quit out and checked recently because you need yep. to go kind of back to the menu. I'd say I'm probably hovering between 80 to 85%. Okay, nice. I, um, I've put it down for the week uh, because I was trying to clear the overgrown ruins section. Yep. And I cannot for the life of me work out what I'm missing. Oh, interesting. Like I have... These will have no context for people who have not yet played the game, but I've I've opened the chest. I found the owl. I even managed to find another breakable wall with like a, a one of those soul orbs behind it. Right. I have run around this entire goddamn level three times, and I cannot figure out what I'm missing. Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what it is. It could just be something as simple as a seed. Yeah, something like that. But so I think I will. Dive back into it again and go and do one of the other areas, and um, and and keep kind of working through because you've teased some stuff to me like another boss battle, like I haven't done that yet, and a yeah. couple of other things. 
If you so want, I, I, might... can, I, I can tell you where the boss battle is. It's not in the overgrown ruins, but I can tell you after the show. Um, but sure. What John's getting at, though, is that this is all stuff that happens after you roll the credits because yes. uh, there's basically like, yeah, the, 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 you, you are a crow. Um, you know, you, you have to reap souls. A soul goes missing. So you have to re- reap three enormous souls that will give you the soul energy to open death's door. And um, so obviously you have those three boss fights of the three bosses to get the souls from. Then there's a series of very, very good boss fights. Uh, some of the best I've ever played in a game. Uh, the final boss is just such an incredible uh, journey through the entire game, which few games ever do. Uh, obviously, like, you know, in Death's Door, you're going through doors all the time. And, you know, you, there are lots of portals to different worlds. And it was really cool that the, the, the final boss has the same abilities as you. So you are sent through all these different environments within the boss fight. Um, I loved that. And there's like not just different stages to the final boss fight, but you fight him in so many different like there's 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 like you fight him in different like there's two separate fights and they're both wildly different. It's almost like there's there's the main boss fight, which is when you, you beat it, you roll the credits, but there is an incredible preamble on the way that combines both boss fighting and sort of like very rapid fire environment traversal. Yes. Um, and then anyway, you, you, you finish it. And, um, I thought the, the story part of the ending was really, really cool as well. And, um, then something happens once, once you beat, once you beat, beat the final boss and all these things, like these things niggling at the back of my mind, because I'd, I'd gotten pretty close to completion when I, when I just started tracking down the boss, like, you know, going, going down the route, route of, uh, of, of wrapping things up. But there were a few things that I, I knew something happened. Like there was like symbols on the ground or like things around, around the world that I was like, something's about to happen here, but I don't have the abilities that I need to, to, to access them yet. And when, when you roll credits, this, something happens. And then you realize the, as you start digging around with this new thing that happens, you realize how much more there is to do once you roll credits and the post, I'm like, this is one of the best post game experiences I've ever had. Um, it gives you so much more lore and wraps up so many little things from the story. And the final reward is like, you know, like the true ending is so cool. What a fucking game, man. I love this game so much. <laughs> Nice. I'm. I'm definitely going to dive back in. Uh, I mean, it was nice. It was nice to have a bit of a break because um, you know the the that obsessiveness with a game is great for a little while, and then I think I think one 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 thing that prompted me to take a break is you being like I've a hundred percent of this game, and there's no longer because we we had a few days, almost a week of just messaging each other throughout the day and being like. Oh my god! Did you do this? Or I just beat this guy, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And yep. so doing it, doing it solo after after that was a little bit like, oh, I don't want to just be like. It would essentially at that point turn into, hey man, what am I missing here? Tell me how to do this. Tell me how to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got to dive back in. I got to keep going with it. I think just switching up the area I'm I'm searching at the moment will definitely yeah. go a long way to to, to reigniting. Or at least getting rid of the frustration I had with. I'm sure ruins. it's a seed. There is an item that you have that glows when you're near a seed. Yeah, yeah. The um, the, the, the shovel. spade. And yeah. then there is a character who will tell you if that where that where a pot is that you haven't planted a seed in as yeah as well. Oh, you got to plant seeds in every pot. Yes. 
Oh, right. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Speak to Plot Easy. Pothead. Okay, cool. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, yes, so that, that, that's go- my advice for anyone who hasn't played it yet. Plant a seed in every pot as you come, as you walk, go past them. Um, because uh, otherwise you'll be in a position where John's at, where you're like, God damn it, where's the... Yeah. All right. It's, I that's a requirement and- to get 100%. I will go and do that. It's it's funny how much this game just doesn't tell you some little things. Well, it does tell you if you speak to one character. In, but in for instance, the manholes. Yes, like, that's. I, a, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know if there was any character that was like, "Hey, try dropping down and attacking." Oh There's no! Little... One, I, I found I found one that did. Oh, okay. Cool. Yep. All right. Yeah. Which one? Uh, the 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 what's his name in the in the in the restaurant. Oh, Jefferson. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He says if you drop down with your sword, you might be able to pass. Something like that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah, man. Look, we love this game so much. Uh, there's very, very little things uh, I would change about it. Maybe I'll give it a map, but more on that later. See yeah. you in a, little, a little, little bit of a, a tease for this week's email. Uh, before we get there, um, I just want to quickly clarify that while I may have been the first to finish Death's Door and 100% it, it was John who worked out... I think the three hardest puzzles in the game, how to get a certain uh, uh, weapon, um, how to get into a certain area. And I'm sure one other thing that I can't remember what right was, now. What was the... Oh, yes, of course. The the mana puzzle. Okay, cool. Yep. Yep. Thank you. But it was... It was big shout out to Levins for being the alpha gamer on this <laughs> podcast. And like enemies that I just... With tearing my hair out, he'd just be like, "Oh yeah, beat that guy!" I'm like, "God damn it!" <laughs> hey man, I, there was some, there was some definitely tough enemies. Um, oh, Oh, one hundred percent. The trick with some of those knights is to stay behind them, but I, I couldn't yes. ever do it. Yeah, yeah. Great game. Um, and uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, not the first game by the developers Acid Nerve. In fact, their oh, first yes. game was a game called Titan Souls. Um, came out in twenty fifteen and was published by Devolver Digital, just like Death Store was, and many games that we love on this podcast. Um, it came out on uh, PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, um, and uh, and Steam. Um, and uh, I bought it. Even though it was on sale for $1.50 on Steam, I uh, spent $22 on it so I could play <laughs> it on my Vita. Um, without knowing anything about this game, I was like, huh, I beat Death's Door. What's the worst they could send my way? Oh, God. Holy fuck, this game is one of the hardest games I've ever played. <laughs> it's so hard. And it's a game where you never level up. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's a boss brawler, like a very simple stripped back boss brawler, essentially. So you are, um, a, a, I guess, a, a character with a with a bow and arrow. You can only take one hit of damage. You can pull back the, the your bow, fire an arrow, and then you, if you put, like hold the fire button down, the arrow will slowly make its way back to you. Um, yes. You, you enter an area where there's four. Um, like, like vaults, I guess, or doors that you open, and behind each door is a boss. Um, the first boss is like a like a big jelly circle, and you you shoot the circle, and it splits in two, and it keeps splitting and splitting and splitting every arrow you send its way, um, and, until the heart pops out, and then you have to shoot the heart with an arrow, and then you've beaten that first boss. Um, you it's not linear; you can take on any of the first four bosses in whatever order you want. Um, I've beaten three of them of the four, and uh. The thing is, no matter how many bosses you take down, how much you play this game, you don't get a second arrow shot. You don't get stronger. You don't get like a secondary attack. It's just you and your bow and arrow and and your one hit of damage for the entire game. And uh, it's so much trial and error. Um, 
The most annoying thing about it is that when you die, you don't spawn in the same room as the boss that you just died to. Yeah. You go back to the checkpoint, which is at the beginning of the like level outside and sometimes quite far away from the um, the door that you need to go through. And so it is like, you know, I'm so used to games now being like, yeah, I'm totally fine with dying heaps. But more, more often than not, you respawn um, immediately Stop, at, at yeah. the, on, the, on, the, on the screen you were trying to get past. But yeah, man, um, uh, Titan Souls is, it looks great. And the music again, by the same composer who did all Death Stores, one of the, the two main acid nerve dudes, uh, very good. Uh, fuck off. This game is so hard. Uh, but on the plus side, uh, I can eat shit at this game on my Vita and on my PlayStation five because there's cross saves. So Ooh. Um, many, many ways to eat shit via Titan Souls, which is by definitely a really cool game. I imagine you get little bits of lore as to why there are Titan Souls in your world and how the world came to be um, so full of Titan Souls. But uh, uh, it's it's great. I don't know if I'll ever finish it, but I'm glad I'm, I'm, glad I'm giving it a shot. Yeah, no, you, by beating the first three bosses, I think you're doing three times better than I ever did. <laughs> what did you play this on? Steam. Right. And I was like, this is hard, and yeah. went and played something else. Oh, I can't imagine like playing this game and then going like, oh, cool, they've got a new game coming out. <laughs> I can't wait. So it's great. Yeah, I'm, but then, I'm, I'm, then you see the trailer for Death's Door and you go, okay, wait a minute, this actually yeah, looks yeah, totally. amazing. I'm happy that I um, came to it backwards. I got, I got tricked into buying this extremely difficult game because I loved the <laughs> most recent one. Uh, great shit. Um, that's it for our uh, our reviews uh, this week. But we have one email, and if you would like to be an email of the future, all you need to do is email us at allthesmallgames at gmail dot com. This one comes from Chandler. He says, "Hey John and Levins, <clears throat> thank you so much for all the time and effort you put into the pod. It has opened me up to so many great games. After your episode on Death's Door, which I went in on right away, and John's comment that the only thing he would change is the lack of a map, um, it reminded me of Carrion, another great game with no map." Yes. As someone who, is, who has a hard enough time remembering where I parked, not having a map can be almost game-breaking for me. And it had me wondering, is it ever justifiable to not have a map in, the, in a game? I would argue it isn't, especially in Metroidvanias and collectible heavy games, but would love to hear your thoughts. Chandler. Uh, I think that one of my main issues with Carrion is that the like there was no sense of connectivity almost between the areas of the game that you were going through. So it became very hard to remember, like, this bit connects to this bit, which connects to this bit. So a map would have been perfect for Carrion. Yeah, absolutely. Especially a map that showed... Because there was one room that connected to all the other rooms. But yeah, it was very obtuse where it would spit you out and, you know, where you needed to go. I, I got... I, that that almost broke my, my game experience. I played it for over an hour longer than I should have because I was hopelessly lost trying to get to the final, final, final part of the, the, the level. I think it was same for me, but it was three hours. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got to say, towards the end of Death Door, Death's Door, I sort of started to know each region fairly well. Yeah. Like I could, I I could think... definitely navigate the graveyard super easy by the end. Yeah, I, th- I agree with you. I think, um, I think graveyard is maybe the trickiest level to navigate because there are so mm. many parts that you can't um, access from other parts but then parts like yeah the overground ru- overground ruins and the um the water the the flooded spot whatever yeah. they I, I yeah i memorized them by the end so i think like in a game that does like you know it really wants you to explore um not only does death's door not end up not navigate not not end up ju- justifying a map 
um, sorry, I'll say that again. Not only does Death Storm yeah. um, end up justifying not having a map, um, uh, it does. Uh, it would break the game in a little bit because the game wants you to have those moments where you turn a corner that you didn't realize was there, and then the the camera shifts, and then suddenly you've revealed this secret area. And I think if you were able to see those parts um, from on your map, it would kind of ruin the fun of of of, of and, and even the, the desire to find these secrets. My. I think I think I said it on the episode when we were mainly talking about Death's Door. I think there is some relevance to having a map, but it cannot be a detailed map. Yep. It almost needs to be like a map of a theme park, like a Disneyland, where it shows you like this area sits next to this area, which is on top of this area. Because I think I complained. I don't know if I said it on the episode. I definitely complained about it over text to you that like Jefferson, who gives you clues to secrets throughout the game will say like, oh, east of this thing. And it's like, yes. I don't have a compass point telling me which way north is to figure out which way is east and which way is west. I mean, it's up, left, down, and, and, yeah, and right. <laughs> to a certain extent, but that takes some figuring out. But the other the other reason I kind of... Like just imagining you w- holding your hands up in front of your head. Like, oh yeah, that's the L's on that hand, so yep, that's left. <laughs> yeah. Um I have I hold up my hands, but I have R written on my left hand and L written on my right. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> um, the other reason I would have loved a map for this game, and again, not a detailed map, just what I was describing, like a real sort of broad strokes overview map, is it would have been another touch point to have some fantastic design. Like how sure. amazing would it be if it was like some incredible um, Reaper's Bureau like official map or each, yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. each each boss of an area unlocks a map that they've drawn. So like the Frog King has a really childish crayonish map. The grandma has like a really sort of refined looking map, etc. etc. Like I just think it would have been nice to have another thing of like, wow, that's a really cool, really interesting bit of design. Yeah, definitely. That I, being I think... said, utility wise, I don't really feel like I needed a map towards the end. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's just, yeah, that sort doesn't have a map because it wants you to memorize the... Um, I mean, it's a pretty big ask, but it, it, you, you can do it. It wants you to memorize its overworld. Um, mm. I think, yeah, that, that definitely... I, I, I was fine with no map by the end of that game, whereas Carrion, um, there's no excuse for that not having a map. Yeah, 100%. Even though Carrion is not necessarily a collectible heavy game, it's still well, no, like... There, there, there are a series of collectibles that I didn't get all of because navigating the 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 map and going from world to world was so annoying okay fair i can what were the collectibles in carry in just something I, I maybe it was like you had to get into every room i can't remember what it was but i remember having six of seven collectibles or something like that. right sure 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 yeah, yeah. maybe it was like a story-based objective i don't know yeah could be but yeah, yeah. no i like very frustrating carry in not having a map not too bad death door yeah you're forgiven, Death's Door. You are perfect. <laughs> if if you need a map for Death's Door, you, ha- you haven't played Death's Door enough. That's right. Mm. Unlock the door. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for getting in touch, Chandler. Always, yes, if- always we, we love to get emails from folk. 
Yeah, and I'm going to be uh, replying to you now and sending you an invite to our Discord. And if anyone else would like to join our Discord, all you need to do is email us all the small games at gmail.com. Ask us a question for the show, and I will hit you back with an invite to the Discord. Of course, if you want to join the Discord immediately, uh, you can so do so by hitting um, uh, patreon.com slash all the small games, uh, getting access to the episode that you're about to hear a good chunk of about um, all the other things. And then later this week, we'll be uploading an episode all about the game VVVVVV. Um, yes. In our game of the month club, um, where we play a, a game with our Discord every single month, and then uh, do a deep dive into the history of it. Um, that's a great game uh, developed by uh, Terry Kavanagh, whose uh, games I am now kind of committing to playing all of, which is very stupid because he has so many of them. But hey, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Radio. Does he have something coming out on Playdate? Uh, that would be a really good fit. Hopefully. Yeah. I just picked up Dicey Dungeons today. It's only uh, it's eleven dollars on on Switch at the moment. It's more than half price. Ooh. So uh, hell yeah, that's great. Go check that I'll out. Jump it's, into yeah. I'll jump into the store. I found it weird. I found like it is a crapshoot whether the eShop will open on my Switch at the moment. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, super weird. They don't want your money. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mister <laughs> Nintendo. Um, so you can uh, get in touch with the show, obviously, via email, allthesmallgames at gmail.com, or on Twitter, we are at allthesmallgame, and on Facebook at um, facebook.com slash allthesmallgames. Uh, John's also on Twitter and Instagram as at, at, uh, at 16 tacos. <laughs> I'm having a fit over here, and uh, I'm at levdog, L-E-V-D-O-W-G, and I have a handful of other podcasts that you can find on the Sans Pants Network, including Hey Fam and the soon-to-be-relaunched Serious Issues, which is all about comic books. And while you're at sanspantsradio.com, why not check out our good friends at Thumb Cramps for a vastly inferior video game podcast every single week? Yeah, they said it. If... It's canon because oh, really? Joel, Joel says it at the end of every episode of Thumb Cramps. <laughs> Wonderful. If you want to, if you want a, a gaming podcast that's more about personality than precision, Thumb Cramps are your boys. <laughs> Thumb Cramps is for you. Um, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week or even sooner if you are a member on patreon.com slash all the small games. Enjoy your Hell week. Yeah. See you soon. Bye. See, see ya. Baby, 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 baby. Oh, baby, 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 baby. Baby, 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 baby. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode or the first episode of all the <laughs> other things. You've heard us rattle on about indie games, small games, day and night um, many, many times and now it's time to talk about all the other things in the world, specifically the other things that happen to be television that we have watched in the last couple months. Uh, my name is Andrew Levins, you know him as the, uh, the, the the better host of, of, of this podcast. Only this one, this bonus podcast. He hasn't said a word yet, but he's already the better one. John Valenzuela is here. Oh, right. I, I thought you were saying you were the better host. And I was like, God damn it, dude. I haven't had a chance. Um, yeah, so this is this is a podcast where we're like, you, you say television. I think it's going to be a whole mix of stuff. Like anything cool that we've run across in the previous month, be it comics, be it movies, be it all sorts of stuff. Yep. Other stuff. Uh, this is where we'll this is where we'll talk about it. Um, maybe, and maybe yeah. it'll divulge into just uh, just uh, uh, rampant dad chat. Yeah, that's true. Comparing that our kids' well. poos. Levens, no spoilers, just hints. What's age three like? <laughs> uh, you have to buy my guide. I'm writing the writing the IGN wiki on three year olds. <laughs> I'd love just go to Google and type. 
daughter, two and a half, walk through. <laughs> Four-year-old daughter, how long to beat? <laughs> <laughs> Full upgrade guide. <laughs> uh, um, so the things... Yeah, gonna, so I think... Yeah. We, you, yeah, you, you, go, you, go, you, go. you tell. You okay, I'll, I'll go as the as the worst of the two of us. I'll go. Um, we're, we're training you up. We're going to be talking um, about uh, some some TV and uh, movies that we've watched um, in the last month. We have uh, on Netflix the second season of I Think You Should Leave, and uh, given that we are big fans of this, or we certainly were when we first met each other, maybe our opinions of this genre as a whole have changed since we were in our twenties. Um, I want to talk about sketch comedy in general. Some of our favourites. How does I think you should leave carry the torch for the good ones, um, if at all? Um, I also want to talk about another Netflix movie um, that came out a few weeks ago on the 4th of July. Um, it's called America, the motion picture, um, which people were talking about for one day and then no, everyone shut up about because, uh, spoilers for our chat about it, it's pretty fucking bad. And, uh, yeah, it's not great. The reason I want to talk about it is because so many people that John and I uh, not only fans of, um, but... Like I feel like our friendship has revolved around their their television in the past, so it was p- yeah. particularly disappointing for this movie to suck as bad as it did. And then we'll round it out. We'll be the only podcast uh, in the world doing this. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, the MCU TV series Loki. <laughs> it's a, it's a world first, guys. Um, so let's start with uh, something that I've been the most excited to talk to you about. And that is, I think you should leave um, the latest yes. season of this uh, by Tim Robinson. Um, I think you should leave. Season one was, well, it came out like at the, in like 2019. Is when it came out? I think so. I, it was definitely, I, all I can think of these days is pre and post pandemic in terms of times. Yep. It was definitely pre pandemic. It was, it was, it's a, also my thinking on this is based on when I worked on the Netflix social So account. that's what I was going to bring and up, could, like that, uh, yeah. that you, uh, we, it's almost a disclaimer, but more so I can just ask you, like, I feel like you haven't missed, John used to run the socials for Netflix Australia. Um, and uh, I feel like, you know, the, 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 I'm sure there are moments where you're like, damn, I wish I was working on this one, but this must really be like, damn it. Like you, if, you, you probably watch every episode thinking of the screenshots you could be making that you could use as content. There's one there's one sketch in particular that I was just like uh, I think I messaged you about it. It's it's we'll, we'll dive into details now. There's a fantastic parody at the beginning of one of the episodes. It's a parody of Shark Tank where it's all these like business people talking about like I took my sunglasses, you know, stand in a mall and turn it into a multi-city, multi-million franchise. And then Patty Patty Harrison yep. Henderson pa- Patty Harrison. Which, She's pa- Patty Harrison. Her, her Instagram username is Party Henderson, so I, I, I get confused too. <laughs> yeah, um, who, in my opinion, is like one of the MVPs on this show. She is in whatever yep. she does, she kills. She's incredible. But she has this character where she made her money by getting sewn into the Charlie Brown float at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And there's just one bit where she's like, I'm scared of how much wine I'm drinking. And that line, I was like, oh my God, I could do so much with that line. (laughs) Particularly since everywhere's going back into lockdown again. I would get huge amounts of engagement of that. To be honest, it's it's weird. Since since going off the Netflix account, I don't watch as much stuff on Netflix anymore. Right. But there's stuff like... You're not being held at gunpoint to anymore. Exactly. It's not like, oh, I've got to watch that latest teen drama and try find something funny about it. <laughs> no. 
but yeah, like it's and it's funny we're talking sketch comedies because the two things I've watched on Netflix over the last like year are both sketch comedies. But um, what which other sketch comedies yeah. besides I think you should leave it have Netflix, Netflix got? Uh, Auntie Donna's oh of course uh, Auntie Aunt, Big House what's Big it House called of fun. I cannot remember Big House of Fun yeah but uh, I think you should leave is. It's funny going into the second season. I was like, "Wait a minute! This the episode ended, and then I remembered that the episodes are only like sixteen minutes long." Yep. And like, some, super so sometimes short. you only get like three sketches in an episode, which I think is, is perfect for this this format of comedy. Because it's very like it's very different <coughs> to sketch shows I've watched, where it's like so many sketch shows build to a punchline, whereas this is like. Almost some of the sketches are like weird short stories, almost that like don't necessarily end on a bang; they just end. Yeah. But the the journey of them was so weird and interesting that it's like plenty of funny moments throughout. Yeah, I'm on my, I'm on my second watch of uh, I think I've watched every episode at least twice now of, of, of season two, and uh, I think episode two I think is like the most like banger sketches. Um, uh, that's the one that opens with. The Patty Harrison saying she's afraid of how much wine she's going to drink. Um, Amazing. Then you've got uh, in that episode you have the Bob Odenkirk sketch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which where, where he's he... talking about like you know like how many cars he's got and like like lying to the dad about lying the the, the dad lying to his daughter about how much uh, about how ice, the, all the ice cream shops are closed. That that sketch just I was like weeping the first time I watched it. It's so funny. Bob Odenkirk is, yeah. you know, obviously like from Mr. Show and Birthday Boys. He is like a, a you know, a sketch comedy icon. And I think he his sketch is like an absolute highlight of the series. You also have um, that Sloppy Steaks, um, that incredible, <laughs> yeah. absolutely incredible. One of the longest sketches in this in the show where um, Tim Robinson plays a character who holds a, ba- a newborn, like a, a baby when everyone's meeting like a baby after it's been born at their house. He, when, he hold, when it's his turn to hold the baby, the baby starts crying. And he's convinced that the baby realizes what a piece of shit he used to be, but he he's worried that the that the ba- the baby doesn't. He tells the mother that you know he's worried that her baby um, isn't aware that people can change, <coughs> and he starts talking about what a huge piece of shit he was, and he has this, this talk, <laughs> The main hook of it is that he used to like run with a crew. I don't know what, what what the name of his crews are. It was like that that like the. The, the, the dirty boys, the or night, something, or something like, along late those night lines. crew, or something like that. Like I don't know, yeah. something like that. And and uh, they would go to a restaurant and, and and get sloppy steaks, which is when you get a steak and a glass of water. And he's like, you know, they say you can't order sloppy steaks, but they can't stop you from ordering a glass of water <laughs> and a steak and pouring that water. It was just the delivery of it, like some of the insane shit that he thinks of, and his delivery of it. Just like you know, it makes the show what it is. It's just yeah. So special. I think, yeah, Patty Harrison is one of the few um, cast members that, because there are like, you know, maybe once or twice an episode, there'll be a sketch where he isn't the lead. Um, and yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, I hate this. It's not as good as the rest of it. But when Patty Patty's around, it's a good, good swap. Because he is, I mean, it's, um, I need to go back and watch because he got the show based on the strength of an episode of the characters that he did. Right. Like Netflix had this show where they gave an episode each to a bunch of comedians where they played a bunch of characters on it. Oh, right. And Tim... Tim uh, Robinson. Robinson. I, my brain is like, Tim Robbins. And then I'm like, nope, that's not right, buddy. <laughs> it's a very Keep different going. show. It's, it's Tim Robbins' son. Um, yeah, he, he apparently... His was so... 
good that that's that's on the strength of that that's why he got I think you should leave but you're right like he he definitely although one one very very minor um critique I would have is that so many of his characters just evolve into manic screaming uh like yep. there's <laughs> What's, okay, what's your I point? Under, I, I understand this might not be a problem for some, but it's just like I, I reach a point where I'm like, just want to like give me one sketch where he's nuanced throughout, rather than just devolving into like suddenly screaming at another character. Nah. But that being said, that yeah, that being said, I did like there are so many sketches. There's a great bit in one of the sketches. The um. The sketch about the the pants with the the pee drips on them, the fake oh, yeah, pants yeah. with the pee drips on them, where he is like tens of meters away from someone opening a door, but screams at the top of hold his lungs, door. "Hold that door!" and then just casually strolls away to get to the door. That's an excellent bit. I forgot in the uh, also in the second episode is the um, the the loud shirts sketch. Oh, is that? Oh, really? Where, where he's I been, thought that came later. No, no, second episode where he's been spending all of his per diem for a, for a business trip on on loud shirts and, <laughs> yeah, fuck. and starving to death. That's so good. As a result, there's that one. There's I don't know what episode. It, like I've been trying to recall the sketches that really hit for me. There's the one where he's advertising the TV station, but the only show they've got is the one where Co- naked corpses drop out of coffins. Yeah, that's an incredible one. Um, I, uh, I, the, 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 my favorite sketch from the first season was, um, I think it, the, the name of it is like called The Night When Somebody Shot Me. And it's like a, a parody of like a Johnny Cash, um, re- oh, yeah, recording yeah, yeah. studio where they play like a gospel song and the guys from the record label are like, oh, sorry guys, but you know, this ain't it. Um, sorry to disappoint you, but that's not what we're looking for at the moment. And then, so like the guy, the leader of the band's like, okay, follow my lead. And then plays like a, you know, classic kind of like Johnny Cash. Um, kind of style, you know, song, and the the band start backing him up. But then Tim Robinson's character just keeps jumping in and singing about skeletons coming to life, and like this, ins- and like clearly making it up as he goes along, um, and like contradicting things that he says in earlier verses. And then like the the lead guy keeps trying to cut him off. It's like so good, and then. He's so proud. Tim Robinson's character is so proud of the horrible song that they've made together when, once they've finished it. And the record label guys are like, you know, no, we liked everything except the skeletons part. And like, it's, it's, it's just so great. Um, he's like, the, the leader of the band's like, um, why, it, was, it was fine except when, um, why'd you keep talking about skeletons? Because they told us to play him something spooky. <laughs> it's like, it's just, <laughs> anyway, so I've been playing that song to my kid, my, that sketch to my kids. Um, uh, Archie and Tilly, both of them love it. Um, and there is something very special about hearing them quote a sketch to each other. Like so, they'll they'll both be wandering around the house, going like, "The bones are their money, so are the worms." <laughs> <laughs> They've that never seen so much food as this underground. There's half as much food as this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they even doing the bit like, uh, you know, Tilly will sometimes be like, "Dad, why did you?" Um, um, it was going fine until you started saying all that stuff about skeletons, <laughs> like just like quoting. <laughs> yeah, it's just great. And I wished that like. I was like, oh, cool. Like, 
if they love that sketch, they'll definitely love the hot dog car sketch from the first season. And I forgot, right. I, I, re- I rewatched it first just in case. Because, like, a little bit of swearing, that's fine for, for a four-year-old and seven-year-old. They, they kind of, like, they know that those are words that adults say that they can't say. I don't know why they sure. accept those rules, but they do. Um, and, and life is good. But uh, I forgot that in the hot dog car sketch one, um, Tim Robinson's character starts talking about... Um, He's like, you know, what, what, what's happened to us as a, as a society as he's, like, walking around in a hot dog suit, stealing, like, stealing menswear from this suit shop. <laughs> and um, everyone's looking at him and he's like, um, <clears throat> Pornhub, Red Tube. Like, he's like, we don't even look at... We're, we're looking at look at porn on our phones now. Then he starts, like, <laughs> listing the names of porn sites. He goes, I know these names better than my own mother's. <laughs> like... <laughs> It's, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I probably can't show him this sketch, but yeah, this that yeah, that that is that that's my other favorite sketch from from season one. Um, have you got? A f- I was trying to remember. I was trying to remember the other like clutch Patty Harrison sketch from season two, and it just popped into my head. It's the it's the like driver's ed one with tables. Yeah, the tables, and um, that's in the last episode, which is another almost like one of the best episodes of the season. Um, where it's yeah, they're doing a driver's ed, and it's it's a it's a rare opportunity where Tim and Patty are in a sketch together. Um, but yeah. because they didn't film the scenes together, I think it's fine that you have both of their manic energies in the same sketch. Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah, God, it's so funny. I don't. Wanna, it's one of those weird things where it's like I don't want to spoil too much. Like, if you are listening to this, I sincerely hope that you have um you've watched the show as well. If you haven't watched the show, definitely go watch it. Yep. And uh and yeah. It's uh I yeah, I'm I'm torn here. I really want to like get into the nitty-gritty of it. And I guess that's what this podcast is technically about, but um yeah, I it's hard to explain. The tables one is just just the it's always like I I see Tim Tim Robinson's comedy as very much something born of like this this sounds odd, but Tim Robinson's comedy could not exist prior to something like Twitter. You don't think so? Because Twitter is just like you you see all these amazingly funny tweets that are just like the most. It's not it's not punchline based humor. It's not something that builds to a joke. It's just a weird story where it's like, you know, I go to pay for my vitamins at the chemist and a ton of bones clatter out of my purse, kind of thing. And sure. It's it's not like. It's not conventional humor. It's not humor in an established format. It's this new humor that is brought about by the platform itself. And I think a lot of his sketches kind of speak to that of like the the story the story doesn't have a crescendo. The story the journey itself is the is sort of the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, is that I, enough? I, that makes is, sense. is that enough I work in social media <laughs> critical theory about this show? Just enough. I guess for me like we, you know, grew up, you know, our, our teen and early 20s, we, we, in, all, all we did was watch Adult Swim shows pretty much. Sure. And the non sequitur based humor of that, like, you know, that, that you, there are entire episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force without a single punchline. Um, Definitely. I mean, most of Tim and Eric, awesome show. Yeah. For is, me, it's not punchline based. It's the journey itself. That's, that's yeah. what's funny. And I want to talk about like our favorite sketch shows. Um, Let's because get into it. I think this is like a, a great marriage of of Mr. Show, which obviously Bob Odenkirk was uh, one half of with Bob and David, Bob Odenkirk and uh, David Cross, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, and Tim and Eric. I think you have like the the bizarre, 
you know, we, strange extras, um, you know, abrupt endings of awesome show, but in a more higher concept um, sketch format that you would see on, on, on a Mr. Show sketch. Definitely. I think Mr. Show, Mr. Show had a lot of the same energy as, or I think you should leave has a lot of the same energy of Mr. Show where it's like, let's start with an ordinary situation and then it gets weirder and weirder and weirder kind of thing. Yeah. Um, are there any uh, sketch shows that come to your mind as like, let's talk about this, the sketch shows that we've loved that you think still hold up. Okay. Hear the rest of this episode at patreon.com slash all the small games. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.